Welcome to Podcast with Cooper Cherry. We're doing something special today. I've actually been traveling. We'll be seeing Radiohead in New York City this evening at Madison Square Garden. Um, but right now we are in Harlem with my good friend Jonathan Valdez. Jonathan, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. This is exciting. It's a pleasure to have you on finally. I've been doing this for about a year and we've definitely talked about, you know, next time you're coming to Texas, coming on the podcast. So it was nice to mix things up and, and record here in New York City with you. Um, but Jonathan and I have known one another since, what, 2008, I think? Yeah, 2007, 2008, something like that. Texas State days. <laughs> Back at Texas State. So we were both participating in a student-run television show on, like, cable access. And so Jonathan had... So you were actually doing radio at the time for the college... Yeah, so I was at KTSW 89.9, the other side of radio. <laughs> I still remember. And um, yeah, I had a, a morning show called Orange Juice and Biscuits Morning Talk Worth Waking For. That did really well. And then um, I believe it was someone who worked at the radio station who also worked at the TV station that um, were wanting to fill in time for the kind of variety show that you guys were right. doing. And so I ended up doing a segment called Five Minute Segment with my co-host Mandy Dugan, who's now like a, a NBC like right. KXAN, She's a local, yeah, yeah, like um, news reporter slash traffic um, reporter in Austin. Super proud of her. Um, so her and I did an entertainment segment called The Squeeze with Orange Juice and Biscuits, and she was also my co-host uh, at the time for Orange Juice and Biscuits. Oh yeah, that's right. I forget. I would like lead in. I would be like, next we have the squeeze. Yeah, yeah. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> but yeah, at the time I was doing kind of a Colbert rapport slash weekend update segment. Yeah, it was really fun. It was a fun time, like just to go in and see everybody do their thing and like see you do your thing and then record our thing and um and then see it on TV. And I feel like there's still YouTube videos up of it. Oh, yeah, I definitely <laughs> I definitely have. I kind of I would like edit out my little five minute and put it up on my YouTube channel. So they're still out there. I'll have to post them in the show notes. But uh, let's talk a little bit of background um, as far as orange juice and biscuits is concerned, because I think that is probably a good way to kind of introduce the audience to you and kind of what you're all about and so forth. Yeah, so um, I went to college at Texas State University, as did you. And um, I believe it was about 2006 that someone came into one of my like um, communications classes and were like, oh, we have a campus radio station. If you want to come like, you know, be on the radio and do like a little moment on the radio um and the thing was is that i was like oh this could be a really cool thing but in order to have your own show you had to do like a little um like shifts on the radio so like you hear if you're like driving to work and it's like you play like three or four songs and you're like you just heard x y and z and it would be like the decemberist or something like that <laughs> and um and so then after you did that for a year, you could then apply to have your own radio show. And I wanted to do an entertainment talk show. And um, KTSW is an amazing indie rate college radio station. Um, I believe they book or uh, they they chart on the Billboard like indie charts. Like they they're one of the stations. Um, I believe when I was there, I'm hoping they still do that. Um, is credited with 
helping what's on those indie charts. So when I came in and said, I want to do a pop culture show, the program director at the time was like, well, you know, like our audience is really indie and I'm not sure they're going to want you to talk about Britney like for (laughs) an hour. And I was like, oh no, like I totally won't. Like I want to talk about what's going on on like campus faux pas and like things that are going on in the community, but then like lightly touch on it. Long story short, um, I ended up getting it and we talked about a lot of Britney and a lot of mainstream pop culture but it actually did really well and it was one of the more popular shows on the radio station that did really well and um won a lot of really cool awards so yay so how did that what was the impetus for you to come to new york city because that was right around the time i know that we because at the time i was thinking about moving to new york and i think that's kind of what sparked a little conversation between us when we were taping the show Exactly. Um, I graduated um, from college. And when I did that, the sad thing was, is there was no more radio version of Orange Juice and Biscuits. And it was this was like 2009. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And um, the cool thing is that a lot of people we I'd really grown this like fan base with Orange Juice and Biscuits and on on the radio and what was there like myspace at the time and things like that and barely just started twitter so i had really started networking on twitter and people are like we still want to hear your comments we want to hear what you have to say about like lindsay lohan (laughs) and um like what you want to say about lindsay lohan and they wanted to hear what i had to say about you know the celebrities that at the time the there was no paparazzi law so they were still like going crazy and being documented so everyone a lot of people were like you really need to have a blog you should just blog about it and um i think i i'd started the blog for the radio show but i literally had only done like one post about doing press for i love you man at south by southwest so really my official post if i remember correctly was maybe around august in 2009 and it was about Lindsay lohan coming out of a party and i guess she had put too much foot powder in her heels or something but as she was walking this like clouds of smoke were coming out (laughs) and i was just like look at lohan live in la vida lohan and that was like my first blog post was about Lindsay lohan like official like this is me doing my thing. Yeah. And then um, it was like really rough. Like I do not know how to really do any graphic design or anything. So I literally, I think I remember pasting like celebrity faces on like a really rough, like I wish I would have like saved that original, original, like the way it re- originally looked. And then um, an artist friend of mine, who's now like a big New York city artist, Tyler Wallach, Tyler Wallach studios. Um, he messaged me on Facebook. Cause we had had a, theater class together and he um was like we weren't really friends at the time and he messages me like in the summer and is like hey if you're going to be like a top bloganista like you can't have a logo that looks like a hot mess (laughs) and I was like okay queen like if you can do better then like send it to me and like within an hour he had done this amazing design with like this vintage pinup girl that really became the official logo for years and years and years and even now when I've had um this guy in Dallas, Justin Nash, um, he redid my site and he, um, ha- if you look at the very like left corner, you can still see that original like girl in the, in the, um, site. So yeah, that's just, uh, 
quick summary of how that became. But then I decided to move to New York and to pursue kind of the blog. And I always wanted to live in New York. And like I said, I was really networking with people on Twitter. And I had said that I lived in Austin and New York, which was totally not true. <laughs> I'd come like one Fake time. Fake it till you make it right. Right. But by the time I got here, I I networked with enough people to meet up with them in person and things like that. So that was eight years ago. Um, now it's about eight and a half years that I've been here. So yeah, <laughs> nice. Um, so you mentioned too. I th- I think you, do I remember correctly that you you said you were doing South by and covering that, and you actually interviewed Paul Rudd. If I'm, am I remembering correctly? Yeah. So my first red carpet. Um, for, well, first of all, I I I'm like ninety nine percent sure that I was the first show at KTSW to receive press credentials for South by Southwest. Because when I got to KTSW, as I said, it was an indie radio station and they had a news, they have an amazing news department. But the director at the time, I was like, why are we not interviewing like celebrities? Like, where's the entertainment thing? Like, I know we like read the stuff that are top of the line, but like, why are we not doing celebrities? And I remember the girl at the time, the news director was like, this is a college radio station. Celebrities don't want to talk to us. And I was like, okay, we'll see about that. Like, super <laughs> ambitious. And then I remember my friend who was the music director at the time, Kristen Hennessy, um, my very first celebrity interview for Orange Juice and Biscuits, the radio show, was with David Arquette because he had done this really kooky, like, independent horror film. And he went to Waterloo Records in Austin to um, promote it. And so she was like, I just got this email. They're looking for, you know, someone in, in the in the radio station to interview him. So we all like got in my tiny ass car and like <laughs> went to Austin and I interviewed him. And I was like, he was with Courtney Cox at the time. I was like, and just had Coco. And I was like, tell them, like, give them my best. And <laughs> he was like, um, turned, I believe, but he was so much fun. So that was really my first celebrity interview. And then um there was a guy who worked at a professional radio station in Austin who was an alumni and he came um, to speak for at the radio station at one of our meetings. And he was like, yeah, I get all of these interviews. Like, you know, this is what I do. And I was like, oh, like, I would love to do that. So he was like, oh, well, here's the contact information. Like, they'll just email you about when celebrities are doing these, like, you know, satellite media tours. So I got on the list and people just started emailing me and I got to interview people like, you know, the current reigning Miss America or like in Vogue and like all these like really cool people who are promoting these things on TV. But sorry, going back to um, South by Southwest, I had applied just going along with that kind of ambition of them being like, well, no one's going to want to talk to us. I was like, well, let me see if I can get press credentials for South by Southwest. So I did. And it was for the film, which was fine with me because I was more into celebrities and actors and actresses more than I was like, you know, all the indie music, even though there was like amazing music that comes out of South by. So I went and my first red carpet interview was, um, the for the film I Love You Man with Paul Rudd, Rashida Jones, Jamie Priestley, um, Jason Siegel, all of these amazing people. And actually, I do have that on my website. And I had I put it on a SoundCloud like a few years ago. 
And it was just me, like, being so excited to be on a red carpet and, like, who put me on the red carpet to, like, talk to these, like, legit celebrities. And me just, like, turning around, like, talking to my co-host Mandy, like, waiting for the next celebrity and turning around and be like, oh, my God, you're Jamie Priestley. And she's (laughs) like, yeah, okay. And I'm like, I loved you in Not Another Teen Movie. And she was like, thank you. That was so long ago. And I was like, I know, but you were like Priscilla. It was like a thing. Right. And then, like, Paul Rudd comes up, and I'm like, oh, my God, we're here with Paul Rudd. I'm I'm really sorry. I hope you don't get mad at me, but I loved you in Clueless. Like, you're Josh in Clueless, and oh, my God, like, I'm talking. This is, like, what, like, that was, like, however many years ago. And literally, he was like, thank you so much. That means so, I'm so excited that you were so excited that I was in that film. And he was so cool. Meanwhile, I was like, I, I, I mean, it, I was just so excited to be there. And all I wanted to do was talk about, like, people's, like, movies that I knew them from. And they're there to promote, like, their right. film. <laughs> and so, yeah. So that was cool. And I got to interview a lot of really other cool people, like 500 Days of Summer, like the director of that with, like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Zoe Deschanel. Um, so, yeah, I that was a really amazing experience that, um, you know, KTSW really just launched so many opportunities for me. And how did you parlay that? Because I think you ended up doing, you've been doing, was it Us Weekly? The, uh, mm-hmm. what's it called? I forget the name of it. Um, so I segment. do, um, I'm a commentator, a, a, um, Us Weekly Fashion Police Top Cop That's what it is. for their Fashion Police segment, segment at the, uh, sorry, for their Fashion Police segment at the end of the magazine. Um I think that, you know, again, with the Twitter and um, networking and just having all that content available and then parlaying that and translating that into a blog, Twitter really helped me, especially in 2009, because, again, there was no Instagram there. No one was really uploading photos. I mean, our technology has like come so far since then, like our phones were so crappy. If you look at the phones in 2009, like the photos that you took were blurry, they were horrible. And, you know, uploading them to Twitter, it just kind of wasn't worth it. So everyone was like reading what you were doing and and you had to, um, you know, you know, I'm at this fashion show or this, that and the other. So through that, I met um, a a woman on Twitter named Sasha Charnin Morrison, who um, is kind of like a magazine legend. She's worked at like 17. She's um, I think she's at CBS Watch Magazine now, but she's was at Us Weekly. And she's just a really cool woman with a wicked sense of humor about style. And we kind of clicked. And I had messaged her and I was like, um, she was at Us Weekly at the time. And I was like, it's like one of my dreams to commentate on this, you know, how can I do this? And she's like, well, let me, you know, connect you with the person. And she really believed in me and and liked my humor. And we kind of had like a similar humor when it came to like poking fun at people's fashion. So she really hooked me up with that. And I think that it's just a credit to, you know, being true to who you are online and actually being the person that you say you are and delivering to that. And I think that people... Um, respond really well to that and we're still connected now on Instagram to this day but it's also really interesting kind of how that culture since 2009 has changed like from you have to be very careful about and I've always tried to be really nice about talking about the clothes rather than the person or about them personally but you know back in the day in 2009 with like Perez Hilton where they would like kind of basically attack that person in a way so to say like 
you know, it's just interesting to see someone like Sasha like comment on things like Meghan Markle and saying, I, I have to be really careful on what I say about her because people get very offended these days. So it's, it's just interesting, the climate, like you kind of have to change your style of comedy to make sure that you're not offending people. Can you reveal a little bit about how that process works? Like how often are you like, do you submit something? How, how does it work in terms of, do they send you photos? Like what is that process like for this? Yeah, there's an editor for it. And um, there's a, uh, quite a few people. I don't know who, how many people, but there's basically like, um, like I wouldn't say like A and B as far as like, how good they are, but there's just like two teams and like every other week the team gets um, photos and they send us photos and they say, here are the, uh, here are the top fashion violators of the week. <laughs> like, please submit your jokes by X, Y, and Z deadline. And then I don't know how everybody else does it, but I like to go down the line and give at least like three options. You know, I feel like it gives you a better chance of being featured and um, yeah. And I've been doing that for, Oh gosh, like six, seven years. Um, just, you know, um, it's just something that's really fun and it's always something that I wanted to do with like Joan Rivers being someone that I really look up to, um, just kind of channeling that. But then again, um, not being mean, just, you know, poking lightheartedness and my aesthetic for fashion police and us weekly is very pun heavy. You get a lot of like, you gotta be Kidman me. Um, I actually need to post one. Or I just posted one actually on my Instagram that was like Evangelive Lily instead of Evangelive <laughs> Lily. Like, I saw that. Yeah, like um, w- uh, one of my favorites was like, um, there's like a million reasons why Christina Million shouldn't be wearing this. And I posted on my Instagram and she actually like commented on it and she thought it was funny. So, you know, um, That's cool. things like that. And when I post it to Instagram, like I use the hashtags of the celebrity, but I don't like to tag them because I feel weird about right, it. But yeah, I, I'm kind of the same way. But I also get a lot of traffic from that slash I hope that like Kris Jenner's getting her nails done in Calabasas, like reading my comments. There was one time we did a special one where it was all Kardashians and I got like a bunch of jokes and I just had a feeling like Kim was reading it because it was around like that time where she was reading everything about her. So Kim, call me. (laughs) (laughs) So do they, is that just kind of an exposure sort of gig or do they, do you get any, I don't assume you get paid anything for contributing or how does that work? Um, well, it depends on what it is and things like that as far as like um, payments for certain projects and things like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's just some, it's, it's, um, I do a lot of like freelance projects um, and depending on what it is, um, then you kind of like discuss the rates for that and things, things of that nature. Okay. So you mentioned the Kardashians, which I think is a perfect segue into, I think, where our interests kind of intersect since you're kind of more into the pop celebrity culture sort of area. And I'm sort of in the political realm to to a degree, right? And there was a big article this week in Forbes that we've been joking about yeah. <laughs> since I've been here Wednesday, um, calling Kylie Jenner the, or, you know, basically naming her the youngest self-made billionaire, <laughs> which... Seems kind of like kind of a stretch, but uh, I don't know. I'll let you open up with what what are your initial thoughts about this? I'm because I'm I think it's pretty clear what mine are in terms of where I am politically. Yeah. So <laughs> I'll let you kind of break it down for us a little bit. 
Well, I feel like I'm kind of like a Kardashian historian in a way. I just <laughs> followed them from the beginning. And I honestly think that Kris Jenner is a genius. Like, I would love to work with her, meet with her, be on her team, learn from her. Like, I just think that what she's done and really changed the face of really celebrity dumb, if you will, <laughs> like celebrity dumb. Um, she just changed the entire, like, face of it right like and that whole family and the thing that gets me with them is like people love to hate and be like oh kim's trash like the sex tape this and that and the other and like that's you know all those things that you've heard time and time again but what where's the disconnect between what people are saying what they're actually doing because money talks and anytime those girls put something out it's sold out in minutes and they're making all this money and you know think about like kim kardashian's game right like where you had to like pay to get to the next level or whatever she was making millions off the game and you know was that kimoji well then it was the kimojis right and those you know she makes all this money and then it's the kimoji merch and then you know so it's just it's it's always been very interesting to me that the that the rhetoric of people saying I hate them doesn't match that they're so doing so well. So going back to Kylie, I feel like it's a double-edged sword. I think that um, she had the, she was, she probably was around the right people, right? Like she can access those people. And I think that that's what people kind of are talking about when she's, they say, quote, she's not self-made that maybe she has an easier access to that. But, um, as you know, I was watching The View and I think that Whoopi Goldberg had a, a lot of really good points on that, saying that, you know, when someone's famous and they're a child of someone's fa- fa- someone famous, they'll look at them and see their parent first. And to Whoopi's point, she was saying that she felt she was self-made only because she was um, like opportunities were presented to her or came upon her and she chose to take them. And because of that, she's self-made. And she was saying that a lot of people don't take opportunities that are given to them or you know and then Megan McCain who we won't even talk about her but (laughs) she to her credit did say you know there are also a lot of child stars that don't do so well right which is a good point I mean I right so I think it's a double-edged sword I think that she did probably have easier access than some. And then um, there was a beauty expert on Instagram saying, you know, there's a lot of people who start their own beauty companies that literally put every single last penny they have into it. And, you know, and who knows the finances, I'm sure there's a report out there, you know, how much money did Kylie put in or, you know, and things like that. So I think that, the the gut reaction is to be like, oh, Kylie, of course, like trash, like she didn't do anything. But I think that you also kind of have to look at how much was she involved and is she making those business decisions and, and what is she doing at 21 years old? You know, as a as a young woman, I think that that's amazing. And then also, I think that, um, yeah, I just think that the thing that I find ridiculous is that people are are because she's at nine hundred million, right? So they're raising a hundred a hundred thousand dollars to get her to be the youngest billionaire. Hundred million, right? Sorry, <laughs> I I'm not a I'm not a math scientist, guys. No. We were mass communication majors here, so, right? Yeah. I'm like counting on my fingers. I remember <laughs> no. I think that that's ridiculous. I think that if people are really raising money, they should, you know, maybe use that as like the guys for it at first, but then give it to a worthy charity. Like clearly, 
Kylie Jenner does not need your charity to become a young billionaire. <laughs> She'll get there soon enough. <laughs> Seriously. Um, I kind of want to back up a little bit because I, you kind of mentioned, you mentioned Chris and I definitely think, obviously I think she is the driving force behind the whole Kardashian mm-hmm. brand. Obviously she's a savvy businesswoman. She knows what the fuck she's doing Yeah. with all of this. But at the same time, it's just like, you got to wonder like what is in your head to just like take your family shit and put it all on just like front street all the time. Like, I don't know. There's something disturbing about that to me. There's, you know what I mean? It seems like immoral. Like, for example, Kylie and the kids, like, I don't have as a beef with them as far, you know what I mean? They were like raised in this scenario, right? Mm-hmm. They probably didn't even like have the conception of what it meant to be on a reality show. Even when you're like in middle school or high school, you don't have, you don't really understand the context yeah. of this kind of stuff. So I just want kind of interested to hear your thoughts about Chris and like just putting like the idea of putting all of your families like everything out in the public space is just such a different that's maybe the innovation more than anything is like having that bravery and just like letting it all ride. I- Listen, the Internet says the devil works hard, but Chris Jenner works harder. <laughs> and I believe it, you know, because every scandal that's happened, I feel like they've relatively handled it well which I don't want to be quoted as saying overall because I think there's certain things that have come up recently that were kind of touch and go right but like I think for the most part she's handled it you know and I think that there's some times where she's like oh guys like I I gave this to you like this was the plan and now it's going off the rails like why can't you just effing listen to me but overall I think that in my head, you know, they came from, you know, she married well or whatever, and she was this, you know, L.A. wife, and she probably had all these connections. And if you think Brent about... Wood. Right. <laughs> if you think about all these, you know, back in the day when, you know, everyone wasn't trying to be famous, I bet you she knew, like, everybody under the sun, right? And she probably just didn't utilize those collect- connections. Right. But then you go back to, like, Paris Hilton, and Kim Kardashian was her friend slash was her wardrobe person who like cleaned out her closet slash I feel like they may have just like given her something to be like who is this chick at the time but Paris was really awful to her and like I I like Paris but I used to in back into the 2000s when I was doing orange juice and biscuits I'm like have you ever noticed how every girl who's hung out with Paris Hilton has gone down the spiral except for Paris Hilton. And my Paris Hilton conspiracy theory is that she was at the clubs being like, let's do all this blow y'all. And then like everybody did the blow except for Paris. And she was trying to take everybody down. Nicole Richie got on heroin. Lindsay Lohan, poor girl, like even Britney. And now she's like, Britney, you're my best friend now. We've been friends forever. We invented the selfie. I'm like, you were trying to bring her down, girl. Like, let's not get it twisted. Like, and everyone's like, oh my God, Paris, Queen Paris. She was an evil girl, like, honestly. And like, she was so nasty to Kim. She would be like, Kim, stop talking. Don't talk to me when when I speak to you. She's like, shut up, Kim. And like, she's like... Um, when they would ask Nicole Richie about Kim Kardashian, they would she would say, "Oh, you mean Paris's maid?" Oh, right. And on The Simple Life, they they were at a high school or something, and they're they're asking this student, they're like, "What's your name?" And she was like, "Kim." And they're like, "Kim what?" She's like, "Kim Ho." And Nicole Richie goes, "We know a girl named Kim, and she's a hoe." Like they were nasty to her. So in a way, I'm kind of like. Then did Chris step up to the plate and be like, okay, bitches, like, you want to treat my daughter like shit? Guess what? Bye. Like, no one cares about you. And, you know, that's just kind of where my mind goes with it. Yeah. Because Kim wanted to be famous, like, hardcore, to put up with all that stuff. 
of Paris. And I think that also when the sex tape came out, was it her trying to, you know, uh, that OG crisis management and make it better and like right. save her child the embarrassment, whatever. Turn lemons into lemonade. Right. right. And then it just kind of spiraled and it grew. And like, she probably like knew Ryan Seacrest from back in the day, you know, and cause he's the one who does a show. So that's my thought process on it. And I think that then it was kind of like, how far can we go with it? How can we make this like work? And now they're so open with it. And the filming schedule is so tight. Like you see something in the headlines and like two weeks later, it's like, here's what happened, you know? And from things like her getting robbed in Paris to like, you know, all of Chloe's baby daddy's bless her heart. Like, well, she has one, but like all her boyfriends, like, you know, she can't seem to catch a break with all the infidelity. So I think that the fact that they're so open about it is why people like them. But I I still am very interested in the, di- the dichotomy of like, I don't like them because I feel like even my friends who love them are like, I'm over them, but they're so successful. So like, what is that? Yeah. I don't know. It's just something about the self. I don't know that the attention mm-hmm. economy of it aspect of it is, I don't know. It just disturbs me. But I don't know. I'm, Listen, I'm, kind of, I'm sort someone, of turn a little bit. I mean, and I am, I guess, a little biased because I always say that my goal is to be the next Kim Kardashian. <laughs> so, like, as someone who's striving to be a Kardashian, like, you know, and have that level of success and things like that, I, I find it just the mechanics of it so interesting. And I think that's why I'm like, wow. You know, and I've always said, Chris, I remember in the early years, I'm like, Chris is my favorite. And people are like, ew, she's the mom. And I'm like, she's the one putting this show together. And like, don't get it twisted. Like, I, I, I was like, you know, and then she did the Chris show in L.A. And I got to go because um, my friends who's a celebrity stylist, his friend at the time, he was doing on set photography for Chris. So I got to sit in the audience and she was interviewing Nene Leakes and it was like the best day of my life. And then at the end, Chris was passing out chocolates to the audience and she told me she liked my bow tie and now I can be happy for the rest of my life. But it was also cool because the set looked like her house. And so the, um, my friend, um, the photographer named Baz um, Holmes, he got to take me on set and I just pretended I was in their house and it was like the best day of my life. (laughs) It's pretty funny. So you take this huge media juggernaut and then you add in a little Kanye to this whole concoction and then what happens? It's just, it's wild. And actually as, as a, as a, a sort of former Kanye apologist, I don't know how to, I don't know how to feel about him anymore. I'm after the Trump whole scenario him right. at the concert I think it was in LA or which somewhere in California I mean there were so many moments there was the TMZ moment like well you that know. was more recently but remember he had sort of and a show like they the show he was performing and they like stopped halfway through the show and he like leaves and because that like I, led him going into rehab and all this stuff I thought that was because Kim K was getting robbed I thought that's what they said that he left because like someone was like Kim is like tied up in a bathtub in Paris and he like left, but maybe there was another time. Could be, but that was the show that he was like, you <laughs> know, I would have, I would have voted on Trump. Oh, um, and was all, you know, kind of coming out with all this bizarre, but I don't think Kanye has ever been the most articulate when it comes to politics or philosophy, but the guy is a genius when it comes to producing music. No doubt about that. I think that people just are very interested in how do you go from George Bush doesn't like black people to President Trump. That's quite a reversal. Right. But 
my question to you is, is before all the crazy, because I know you were an avid fan at one time, did him being with Kim change your perception of the Kardashians? Not really. I tried to just <laughs> block it off mentally at the time. Right. Because actually, so I remember I had an ex-girlfriend, which was, she was obviously into the Kardashians. And I remember a few, so, I mean, this was like oh, a while back, maybe seven or eight years ago. He, she was in New York and they were at a store, I think, with Jonathan Shaban and Kanye like pops in, which I thought was interesting at the time since I was like, oh, there's Kanye. This, this, <laughs> finally something entertaining on this show, right? Right. And then it's so kind of funny that they ended up getting together, you know, a few years later. So you were secretly not watching it, but watching it out of the corner of your eye. <laughs> I mean, it's so good to have on, but it's just like, it's, I don't know. It's, it, it's hypnotizing, but yeah. Also, yeah. Kim's best friend, Jonathan Shaban. My, also my other goal is to be Kim's new Jonathan. And that's like the storyline, <laughs> like who's the new Jonathan and like other Jonathan and I are like frenemies and like, it's just like a whole thing. <laughs> it's, it's so weird that isn't he doing something with, isn't he involved in that? Like the wings that, Chicken wings dipped in gold, liquid his, gold. His Instagram handles Food God, and there was like a thing where he was like, "I'm legally changing my name to Food God," and like, I don't know, like, I don't really know. I think they met at like a dinner party or something. I don't really know his background, but I feel like he he just is able to do whatever he wants to do. So good for him. But also, like, he goes through a lot being Kim's best friend, like taking her pee to the pregnancy test place or whatever. She was like having. She's like, Donovan, thanks for coming. Can you take my pee to the testing center? Thanks. Bye. Like, you know, like, I feel like you have to go through a lot being Kim's assistant, right? She's like channeling that old, like, Paris rage towards, like, her friend. No. But chickens have come home to roost. Right. So, yeah. So maybe, you know, I'll be Kim's new Jonathan one day and then see. But let's get back to, I guess, the the topic that we started with as far as, as Kylie. And like I said, I don't have any sort of ill will necessarily towards Kylie or the kids or anything. It's just, I think, obviously, Forbes, you know, print journalism obviously is a dying industry. This feels like Forbes trying to capitalize on the whole Kardashian, you know what I mean, the controversy to to buy, to sell, you know what I mean? To get ads, essentially. Yeah, it's smart business on their part because people are talking about it. Yeah, and also was it a lazy byline to be like 20 self-made women and it's like half of them are, half of them aren't kind of thing? Like, did they just group her in? And then, yeah, it's to sell, you know, it's just like Anna Wintour in Vogue putting celebrities in Vogue however many years ago and it used to all be supermodels and there was an outrage about that. But then... I think she was even quoted, I don't quote me on her quote, but I think she had one time said like, oh, I'll never like have Kim on a cover. And then it was like, you know, Kim and Kanye and stuff. So definitely I think there's a lot of, um, it's a sensationalism to, you know, how many people clicked on that Forbes, you know, link and, you know, and, and which goes back to the reports for the advertisers and, you know, there's the salesperson just being like, Oh, Hey, like in the month of July, like we saw an increase of X, Y, and Z, like blah, blah, blah. And now we have this many people coming to our website. New demographics too, younger right, demographics. Exactly. Being we got the to... Kylie group, like, right. you know, as someone who's worked in PR and worked with like, you know, media as well. Like I, I know there's like the Forbes salespeople like going cray right now, like <laughs> shooting out reports. Like, <laughs> Yeah. It just feels like the the moment to come out with, like, if this came out in 2005 or six, it wouldn't be, I, I think it wouldn't be as controversial as, or it wouldn't bother me so much, maybe in that different context. 
But in the context of 2018 and where we are as a country politically and socially and culturally, I don't know, this feels very, I'm very offended by the idea that Kylie Jenner is a, is a self-made billionaire. That is extremely offensive <laughs> just as a as an a firmly anti-capitalist person calling Kylie Jenner a self-made billionaire. Just maybe the greatest <laughs> example of how fucked up things are. <laughs> like, this is where we are that you're trying to sell me Kylie Jenner as a self-made billionaire. I don't know. It, it just smacks of just... As a, from it's like you're so out of touch. Like Forbes magazine, you're completely out of touch with what the fuck is going on in this country well, with I, the insane amounts of like wealth inequality and all of that getting worse. Climate change, like all of these sorts of things. And they come out with this sort of like, and especially in the era of like white privilege and privilege and check your privilege. It, it feels like a kind of a sleazy thing to do. In my opinion. But also Forbes like highlights, like they're not highlighting like, you know, the poverty stricken streets. It's like they highlight like the the like high money makers and it's kind of like they're all stroking each other's egos. Certainly. So then is it a question of do you feel that that magazine right now is like antiquated in this current climate? You know what I mean? I just feel like the whole position. I don't know. It's I'm really kind of pisses me off the position it's one thing i mean i'm against even someone like mark zuckerberg who is i think you would maybe agree is probably more quote-unquote self-made than kylie right to a degree um i mean sort of gets into splitting hairs at that point right they both didn't go to college (laughs) or did he drop out he dropped out i think right so like you know i mean like the bill gates the steve jobs the elon musk type right like these these people also came from privilege and definitely had opportunities that many people would not have had that helped them get to the place that they are. But it's, I think it's, there's a, even a, there's a, even a difference between what she does and what they do. I think there's more, they have more direct impact on their company's right. creation and, and, you know, the direction that they go. Yeah. And I definitely think that there, it, that it did spark a really big conversation about, even just people, how people are perceived, like, I mean, even like, it's a completely different thing, but just like me and my Instagram followers and like, I see people who know the right people or they have a certain look and they literally post a picture of a white wall and they get like millions of likes. Meanwhile, like I'm really, you know, I put in a lot of work on my content and it's not the same. So I think that, you know, there's always like an upper hand. And when you talk about people being self-made, like again, on the view, they were talking about one of the women were saying, you know, I feel self to be truly self-made like billionaire. You look at someone like Oprah Winfrey, who literally came from being extremely poor who she and she talks about it often um to becoming this like multi multimedia mogul you know and and honestly and i agree i believe that she was truly self-made you know um and but but then again just you know for the other side of it like Whoopi was saying she felt that you know she was like you're self-made and Whoopi was like i wasn't because i had help but if people are I don't know why she was looking at it as giving help. I think people were recognizing her talent and wanting her to work on projects. So I guess it's kind of just like how you word it, I guess. But I I don't know because, and then there is the point again, it's like, I don't know. And I didn't like Meghan McCain being like, you know, well, I, I come from, you know, she comes from money 
And she's like, when I go, when I was applying for work at all these offices, you know, people thought I wouldn't do the work because I would be like a spoiled rich girl and I had to work 12 times harder. And I was like, no, you didn't have to work 12 times harder. Like if you felt that people were being rude to you and you had to prove that that's on you. But I feel like the person who had to work 12 times harder is the person who doesn't have their family money to fall back on. And if people are being rude to them at work and don't like them and they ultimately get fired, they have nothing to fall back on. Like that's the person who's working 12 times harder, not the person who, oh, I come from money. And what she's not realizing is it's probably, she's probably working at a place that shares her same views and having her there as a feather in their hat. Like they're not going to get rid of you. You know what I mean? So I think that those are the kind of things where people kind of look at someone like a Kylie and say, what is this? You know? So I think there's, I I think that it's, um, it's, yeah, I think that you're right. Like we would be having a different conversation about it a few years late before, like five years from ago, but I think people would still be rolling their eyes about it because of who it was. I mean, yeah, of course there's like some, probably the Kardashian fatigue or something, but I think to, I want to go back to Whoopi's point and say that, you know, I think to me the idea, and from my point of view, my perspective, the idea of a self-made anything is kind of bullshit and propaganda, right? Like if you get down to the sort of the nitty gritty, like everyone has received help. You, there, No one exists in this vacuum little lane where they're not being touched by anyone, whether it be a family member or a teacher or a friend, you know, even a you know even a celebrity that inspires them or whatever the case may be there's a there's a big like it takes a village to create to create wealth to create celebrity like in a vacuum if you're just floating out in outer space without an audience without a market without a janitor to clean your fucking factory or whatever the case may be without a handyman to fix the machines that produce your product there is no product right it's it's a collective process that creates the wealth but then that all the wealth that's being generated socially is all in a by the group is handed to one individual so wealth is created socially but then the profit is privatized to an individual and that fundamentally to me is the fucked up thing about capitalism period right and i know that you're not so much in the political realm but what what do you think about like what's your viewpoint like now that i say that what comes to your mind in that context? Anything? <laughs> <laughs> Not really well versed about talking about capitalism versus non-capitalism. And but just like thinking the... like the, the idea. Okay. Cause I don't think that we, we don't generally think about it. We think of this, this idea of like the self-made millionaire, like the Bill Gates, the whatever, like, Oh, they did it all by themselves. They worked so hard. They worked harder than anyone else. And they were dedicated, which I'm not saying that they they personally, individually did not work hard, but you simply cannot, as a, one alone individual, create all of this stuff by yourself. That just, that idea is yeah. bullshit. It's it's bullshit. doesn't matter yeah, yeah. who you I are. Mean, it's even, a social process that yeah. gets, but yet the rewards are all going to one person. Does that kind of, does that help a little bit, kind of clarify? Yeah, but what I my mean, point I is? think that's like companies in general, right? Like oh, yeah. someone like forms it and then yeah. they get bigger and bigger and then they're the person who kind of stamps all the approval and then they you know make a lot of money and and i think that you know yeah people who are really like putting in like that grinding work you know that aren't just like you know attending meetings and saying yes 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 but i think at the end of the day like someone who 
does have that mind like an Oprah or a Bill Gates who does kind of have that, you know, wherewithal to kind of like lead the ship in the right direction. I think that sometimes that can be few and far in between. So maybe that's where people justify it is like being at the helm of it and kind of like guiding the troops. But yeah, I I think it does suck that a lot of people that are kind of like down the line don't get kind of like the compensation that they deserve. And I think that, you know, um, without getting too much into it, like also then certain people blaming, you know, like, let's say like immigrant groups for like, you know, coming in and, and saying like, that's not, that's why you're not making it because they're doing these things for you. I think that kind of like not taking ownership of that and just kind of like giving more people more of the pie, like is something that should be worked on. This might help too when I say this. So I think that to me, my viewpoint too in this context is there's a lot of talented people. There's mad talent in this room right now on these mics right now between the two of us, I think. Not going to lie. Just come out and say it. But talent alone isn't enough. A good idea alone isn't enough. There's been plenty of businesses that had fantastic ideas Mm -hmm. and were super talented people that maybe even, and especially in the realm of technology, oftentimes there's better technology that doesn't get selected by the market. So the market isn't this rational machine that always picks the best product. It's like all these other variables come into play, right? Yeah. And which goes to the idea of like, okay, yeah, um, just because you're handed opportunities the way that Kylie Jenner has been handed doesn't necessarily mean that. So like, yes, there is an aspect that she's put work into or whatever, Although probably not as much as any other people, but because <laughs> I read an article actually, so they outsource all of the production. Um, like you were saying, we've been talking about this all week, and you know, Chris manages things. Um, she kind of puts her name on it ultimately, but there's no overhead because they don't have physical retail stores. That's really the point I was going to bring up is without the overhead of an actual physical retail location, it's all e-commerce, so that cuts out so much of the fat. Obviously, you know, physical space is, you know, with real estate across the country in most places is overall going up, especially the kind of cities that you would want, like New York, where you'd want to have a storefront, right? The rent at a fucking New York location in Soho or Tribeca or what have you is going to be astronomical, and then you have to staff it and blah, blah, blah. You know, you have to transport the product there. So it's so much more efficient from a supply chain standpoint to go the e-commerce route. Yeah, I mean, e-commerce is doing so well. So many brick and mortars are going under and like, you know, look at Toys R Us, right? Like they, you, everything's about online. And and, and I think that that's another reason why Kylie did so well is because she, you know, she's just 21 now. And when she was really starting all this, like Snapchat was really huge, which, you know, I don't, people in my our peer group I don't feel like use it as much as I don't even know if like younger younger kids are using it now that Instagram you know stories took a lot of its you know appeals away from it um but I think that she was really capitalizing on that um thing and she was kind of on that market and and how she was marketing to those younger kids that you know um would maybe spend their money at a mall in years past i think that yeah you know she was she really capitalized on that and and just being young herself because the younger kids 
I even noticed with their Instagrams, and I don't know if they're like buying the likes or whatever, but I feel like they all like really support each other. Like, uh, like every post, like, 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 and they get like thousands of likes. Whereas like people in my peer group, they're like fickle as hell and bitter right. and haters. You better put some good shit out before. No, I uh, even if you like do, button. they're like, they look at it and like, you know, my analytics show, I can like, you know, be shown to like 2000 people and I'm only getting like a couple of hundred likes. And I feel like the younger generation is like somehow, I don't know, digitally more supportive. It's just like what they do, right? It's like, oh, we're all going to yeah. help each other. Like boost it up so I don't know because I didn't really follow her on Snapchat but I think that that has a lot to do with why she's successful and um and yeah I think that it was just kind of like the right place at the right time and also she was on TV right I mean I think that you know even though like TV's like um you know everything's going really like digital and there's so many like you know the Netflix and things like that I think that it was still that era of the transition and that was a thing and then also she was part of the meme culture, right? Like how many Kylie memes are there? So I just think that somebody's buying these lip kits and like, who knows? Cause they're really expensive. So the fact that even like younger kids can buy them, but again, like there's always been people, younger kids buying expensive things. It's just, it's not at the mall anymore. It's, you know, which by the way, Jonathan and I are collaborating on a lip kit that will be released. <laughs> I'm going to have an orange soon. biscuits lip kit. Orange flavored. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, but you know, but even her, you know, even Kim has her makeup line and things like that. And like, you know, Chloe has a clothing line. And like, you know, I think Courtney, I don't know, has something too. Like, but I think that's what you do. Even like the Real Housewives, like, you know, they get on TV and they start selling stuff yeah. or they start with their, you know, their own clothing line or they, you know, they start that. I think it's kind of also like, how do you, um, keep going in your career? How do you stay relevant and how do you capitalize on that and make money? And, you know, cause your show could be canceled the next day. True. So like, how do you keep going right. on that and just kind of like always keep going? So I don't know. I mean, I think that would, I don't know. So I guess the issue is, is if had the headline been different, would you, would you think people would have cared as much if it would oh, have just been like Kylie Jenner, to be youngest youngest billionaire would have been that would have been putting the self-made in there just that was kind of like twisting the knife like i said especially in this era i feel like we're in sort of this new gilded age i mean obviously with fucking donald trump as the president how much more of a gilded age could we be in you know right and that's and so in that context it just feels very and maybe and of course i've gotten much more anti-capitalist as i've gotten older as well so it just bur- it just burns me. I'm so angry just overall politically and about the direction the country's going and just where we are as a culture. So this just kind of it's it's insignificant ultimately, but it just really kind of is just a really really distills down all of what's going on at this moment into one sort of topic that I can kind of focus my energy on at the moment. Right, yeah. And it's sort of the like like I said there's a little bit of synergy between our interests and I thought it'd be an yeah, interesting no, discussion. Really good. I think though that overall, like I think it's good for young women to see a yeah. young woman making money. And, you know, um, I definitely think that there's a lot of older men that are making money in horrible ways True. other than That's lip kids point. that like, Very good point. you know, that we should focus on as well. And, and, you know, like, look at, as you said, the president, like, 
being real shifty with how he's <laughs> not separating his businesses with the presidency and he's what in his 70s so um you know and i think he would call himself self-made and and we know that's not true either jonathan so. i'm i'm totally self-made <laughs> right i just got a small <laughs> my father gave me a small one million dollar loan right and i turned it into a an, into an empire right now i'm president of the united states exactly so i think that and i don't even know if anyone's made that comparison but yeah i definitely agree with why people kind of take umbrage with it and i but i I think it's good to to talk about things like this now like we talk about so many things that i don't think people would talk about you know in the past and it's like talking about people being entrepreneurs and what does that mean in 2018 right kind of one point too that bothers me overall it's like and this even goes to someone like bill gates right bill gates didn't even invent DOS. He bought DOS from this guy who just loved to program. And I heard he was like a school teacher or something mm-hmm. in Seattle or you know somewhere in Washington, right? So they all the propaganda or the mantra of capitalism is you know if you if you're working hard and you're an innovator, right? You're creating something new, then you deserve rewards, right? But in these cases, I mean, even so, even. Maybe Steve Jobs is even a better example, right? Steve Jobs didn't build the fucking computers. I'm pretty sure Bill Wozniak built the actually built. He was the technician mm-hmm. that built the machines. He is the real innovator. Jobs was just much like Chris Jenner, a super savvy business person that understands how to market and how to that whole business aspect of it. So it kind of pisses me off whenever it's the people that actually are are innovating the really talented individuals that end up getting kind of stepped on or lost in the shuffle and not getting the recognition they really deserve ultimately, even though, like I said earlier, it's still, I think it's still a very social process to create wealth. But it's like, I respect someone like Wozniak that created the fucking Apple computer so much more than Bill Gates that just, oh, I had the money, I had the resources to buy this already existing product and then leverage it and make smart business decisions which i guess that's its own level of talent but it's like the creative the creators out there are just always the ones getting i think exploited ultimately yeah but i think that even with like art and you know like my friend tyler wallach going back to him he's really learning about the business side of being a creator and i think it's really important and i think that it is unfortunate and it's sucks but you really have to be so business savvy these days because people will take advantage of you and i think that um you know you just you have to be you know a, you have to be a part of it and if that those are your goals and you yeah. have to be very careful about what you're selling and what if you believe in things like that like not just like oh well here you go you know what i mean like i think that i think that that being said everyone just needs to kind of be a lot more savvy with what they're doing and and also just like believe in themselves and that they do have a good product if they feel that way and and you know what I mean and but it does suck because you know like if you do have a name or something and you know it's it's is in all forms of business or all for in all kinds of areas of life it's kind of it, it's who you know right and it sucks but it's part of it you know it, and it's you know from like influencers to tech like it's like who can you get that meeting with it's based on like people I mean, like to, that's know. what privilege is 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Access to resources. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess it's just kind of like, how do you get to those resources? And it does, it is more challenging for other people, which is unfortunate, but it's, it's just how it is right now. So we'll see how things change. Right. On. Is there, is there anything you'd like to, uh, we're coming up on an hour pretty oh, nice. ready to kind of close out the episode. Do you have any may, maybe final thoughts or is there a topic we didn't really discuss that you um no just um like we said my blog orangejuiceandbiscuits.com my instagram at jonathan r valdez which you can find all on my blog at orangejuiceandbiscuits.com and just um you know like we were talking about follow like support don't be stingy with the little double taps (laughs) you know like support it and yeah um just trying to do my own thing with um with my blog and, and becoming an influencer in the next Kim K and things like that. Um, you know, and I used to be kind of like, Oh, I don't know. Like, I don't want to say that, but it's like, you gotta say what you want. You know, that's like a goal. So yeah. Thanks for having me on. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so definitely keep an eye out for that, for that lip kit. Right. Coming exactly. soon. The lip kit collab. <laughs> right. Gonna be dropping that shit soon. <laughs> E-commerce, no overhead. Right. And I need to be on the Forbes list. We don't have we don't have Chris Jenner taking a ten percent cut of this. This all the proceeds right. go to two young, starving creatives. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the the show. I'm so thankful that I yeah. we had this opportunity. Especially, I think you're like the perfect person. Like I feel like you should have been episode number one. But oh, thank you. Since yeah. we're like a thousand miles apart, it's right. hard to make that happen. Right. I, I have to figure out. Maybe we can do some kind of Skype scenario. Yeah, let me know anytime. next time. Because I'd love yeah. to have you on, or next time you're in Austin, whatever the case may be. Yeah, no, it stop was by. fun anytime talking about pop culture and how it relates to the current climate I'm in. <laughs> All right, well, this is Podcast with Cooper Cherry, signing off.